Can't sleep? Don't want to sleep? Afraid to sleep? Are the windows closed? Are your doors locked? Did you check your closet? And under your bed? Maybe you should keep a light on in the hallway, just in case. Now settle in. Make yourself comfortable. Lay back. Close your eyes. And let me tell you a story. If you had the chance to travel among the stars, would you do so? Would you embark on a voyage across the void to a new planet? Such a trip, many say, would be impossible in any one person's lifetime. But what if it was possible? What if you could live for thousands of years and visit and help shape new worlds? What if you were immortal? Immortal. I am an immortal. To be clear, I probably won't live forever. I will die someday. But I'm part of an elite group of humans who are putting off that day as long as possible. Here's the deal. The future is not everything the science fiction writers told us it would be. We do not have faster than light travel, no warp engines or hyperspace drives, and we certainly don't have magic wormholes that whisk us across the galaxy in the blink of an eye. There is no time travel with one exception. We have attained relativistic speeds with conventional interstellar spacecraft, so the whole time slowing down for the traveler thing kicks in. The two things we have excelled at are computers and genetics, with advances in the former contributing to our ability to manipulate the latter. People will argue whether we have achieved true sentience in artificial intelligence, but at the least, we have a pretty darn good imitation of it. Oh, I almost forgot. We've cracked fusion, too. On the DNA front, we have isolated the genes that contribute to long life and developed therapies to alter the entire genome of a human to permanently incorporate those desired traits. We are also able to splice in some non-human segments that have made suspended animation possible. Previous attempts at freezing people were disastrous. Even though we can cryogenically store eggs and sperm, and even fertilized zygotes, the damage from the crystallization of cells in an adult human was something we couldn't overcome. But by incorporating the genes from animals that can sustain themselves in various forms of hibernation, we can now slow a person's metabolism to a small percentage of their normal rate. It's a very complicated and expensive process, and the long-term effects are still unknown. But it provided the conditions to unlock the financial incentives to explore and colonize the galaxy. You see, in the past, people were reluctant to spend the vast sums required to initiate such expeditions, knowing that they were unlikely to live to see any return on their investment. Now that lifespans can be greatly increased by simply spending periods of time in suspended animation, the trillionaires of Earth devoted their energies and funds to making the colonization of new planets a reality. The engine technology that interstellar craft use is the ram scoop. Basically, to be able to have enough fuel to cross the distance between stars, we scoop up the atoms of hydrogen just sitting out there in space, smash them together, and use the released energy to propel the ship and power its systems. 
Of course, there's more to it than that. One of the big worries was encountering small meteoroids while traveling at 90% of the speed of light. It could easily tear a hole in the spacecraft. Part of the problem was resolved by self-healing material used for the scoop and new alloys that helped protect the hull. But they could only do so much. It was my invention of a system of high-powered lasers and optics that could identify and target stray space rocks and vaporize them before they could harm the ship that solved the problem. The royalties from that technology provided a vast portion of the wealth. On top of my great-great-grandfather's fortune, they qualified me to be an immortal. As you might have guessed, the immortals are the tiny portion of humanity who have the resources to get the requisite gene therapy and afford the massive hibernation systems required to extend our lives into the future. At last count, there are 35 of us, and we have identified 57 worlds suitable for human inhabitation. Each of us endeavors to create a constellation of solar systems that we autonomously manage. With the current limitation on space and communication speeds, the galactic government is impossible and, quite frankly, undesirable. By the way, the other thing the science fiction writers got wrong is that the galaxy is not awash in life. Among the thousands of planets and moons we have landed spacecraft on, although they have discovered what can be considered basic organic molecules, none has shown any indication of current or past biological activity. We are alone in the universe, or at least our corner of the galaxy. But that does set aside certain ethical considerations of terraforming a world with an existing ecosystem. There are no indigenous civilizations, sentient beings, or even alien microbes to displace. Every planet with a suitable orbit around its sun and the basic elements needed to manufacture an atmosphere compatible with Earth-based life was the target of the enormous terraforming machines. Those life-bringing devices were followed shortly thereafter by the colony ships where thousands of people lived and died while traveling through interstellar space so that their descendants could be the first people to live on a new world. It took me 95 years to travel from my first post-Earth world, Moratopia, to my next project, Favreneta. It took a spaceship roughly 800 meters in circumference, not counting the vast diameter of the ram scoop, to support my suspended animation chamber. It needs to have all the materials required to drive the machinery that monitored my body while I slept and provide the life-sustaining nutrients to keep me alive. The ship was completely autonomous. All its systems were devoted to keeping me in suspended animation, S.A. When I awoke, the medical team was standing by. They all had pleased looks on their faces. My intraocular display informed me that although nearly a century had passed for the rest of the galaxy, I had biologically aged only 115 days, almost a third of a year. I was anxious to catch up on what I had missed. Are you ready for your briefing? A voice asked. My own voice. Simon, is that you? Yes, sir. Simon was my AI proxy. His algorithm was based on all my writings, conversations, decisions, and personal minutiae so that he could mimic my thought processes and act on my behalf when I was in S.A. Previously, he had been just a voice in my head, always in contact with me through auditory implants. And when I wasn't traveling, he continuously integrated everything I saw, heard, and did into his own memories to update his heuristic programming. 
Now, however, his voice wasn't coming from inside my head. I heard him with my ears. I turned and saw a human form robot standing by the door. He bore a slight resemblance to me, not the most flattering reproduction, but identifiable as such. Do you approve of my new form? Is it a drone or is it self-contained? My mind is still housed separately, but I have been upgraded to a Generation 6 quantum processor, which allows me to manage all the systems of this body. His voice had all my inflections and nuances, but to my ear he still sounded somewhat robotic. The upgrade had been planned for centuries. Some immortals had already employed a version of a bipedal drone as an interface for their proxies, but I always found them lacking and had put off the transition from my voice-only interface. I approve, I said to Simon. Thank you, sir. I have a full itinerary planned for your inspection of the terraforming progress and visits to all the habitations in place so far. But first, of course, dinner with your fiancé, Phoenicia. Of course, I echoed. After a gourmet dinner of a selection of my favorites, along with new dishes invented while I was in S.A., I got married and spent the night with my new bride. Simon offered his usual advice, his version of a joke. Don't do anything I wouldn't do. Over the next seven months, I not only got up to speed on all the crucial business matters of my constellation, but reviewed and approved plans for future expansion. It would be decades before they could be implemented, and even longer before updates of their progress made their way back. But for me, only a matter of months or years will have passed. Phoenicia, like all my previous spouses, was a genetically perfect blend of brains and beauty. In terms of procreation, I was stubbornly old-fashioned. I did not permit offspring to be the product of artificial insemination. Phoenicia and I worked our hardest to provide another heir to my dynasty. The child would one day be the ruler of the planet we were building right now. Simon suggested, and I agreed, that I should proceed on to Dravania next. So, preparations were made for me to return to S.A. and embark on the 77-year journey to my third world. When I awoke, the medical team was standing by. My intraocular display informed me that over the course of the three quarters of a century I spent traveling, my biological age increased 68 days. Simon entered the room to begin his briefing. His algorithm and memories were constantly being transmitted along an infobeam to all my worlds, so this iteration of his physical presence had the latest available metrics concerning my growing constellation. His form was decidedly improved. Although he was still obviously artificial, he looked more like my doppelganger than a crude likeness. Looking good, Simon. Thank you, sir. I could also tell that his voice was much more natural. New quantum processor? I asked. Generation 9, sir. Not only have advancements in processing power been developed, but size as well. I am now fully self-contained. He pointed to his chest. My central processor is now completely housed in this body. In your chest, that makes more sense. More space, easier to protect. Exactly, sir. Shall we retire to dinner and meet your wife? You read my mind, Simon. Don't do anything I wouldn't do, he reminded me. And with his new face, he gave me a sly grin. Gervania was a more tropical world than Favernetta. There were Earth-like quantities of water on the surface that provided the perfect substrate for a lush, engineered forest. The habitations were exclusively situated on the coasts, with sandy beaches and an atmosphere that created spectacular sunrises and sunsets. 
I spent more than my usual term on the planet. For the first time in centuries, I was around for the birth of my son. Before I went back into SA to visit the next in my rapidly expanding constellation of planets, my wife, Dorothy, informed me she was pregnant with my 15th child. When I awoke, the medical team was standing by. There were cracks of concern in their expressions, not quite the confidence they usually displayed. My intraocular display informed me my biological age had advanced nearly two years over the last nine decades. Was there a malfunction? I asked the SA revival team. The answer did not come from any of the doctors. Not that we can determine, Simon said as he stepped into the room. The latest upgrades to his exterior were quite impressive. The textures of his skin and hair were extremely lifelike, though I could still tell they were artificial. Is that pseudo-musculature? I asked. Yes, sir. My entire skeletal structure is a manufactured duplicate of your own. We've employed all the latest developments in human prosthetics to create this body. But I am concerned about your own. Mirror, I said. For the first time, I saw strands of gray in my hair and the first signs of wrinkles in the corners of my eyes. If my calculations were correct, my latest stay in SA brought my biological age to 41. I want a full diagnostic of the SA systems. Scrap that. I want it rebuilt from scratch, I ordered. Unfortunately, we do not have all the required components here on Corvana. As you know, we can only communicate with our other planets at the speed of light and travel even slower. So, we need to plan at least two journeys ahead. Fortunately, I anticipated that the SA systems would need a refresh, and the materials for a Gen 2 SA chamber will be waiting for you on Palladia. I nodded. During my last stop, you told me there were new rejuvenation procedures available. Yes, that's correct. We can reduce your biological age by as much as five years. There you go. No harm done. But let's put into place a standard procedure to stage SA and rejuvenation supplies in advance of all possible future trips. Actually, make sure all worlds in my constellation are sufficiently prepared for contingencies of this nature. I will do so. A woman entered the room. She was beautiful and confident and wore the robes that marked her as my next wife. She smiled when she saw me. Gerald, I'm Vivian. She stole a glance at Simon. I feel like I already know you. Really? You look just like him. Or rather, he looks like you, she said. Yes, they are making great strides in robotics. Indeed, Vivian replied, blushing. Again, she looked towards Simon, sharing a conspiratorial look. I have some business to discuss with Simon. I'll see you at dinner, I said to my future wife. She curtsied and left the SA revival room. I turned to Simon. Why was she embarrassed when talking about you? I asked my proxy. It perhaps has to do with several interactions we've had. Of what nature? Well, she wanted to know if I was an exact physical duplicate of you in all ways. Ah, I said. I'd wondered the same thing myself. So I showed her. And she asked if she could try it out, I surmised. Correct. Simon, if this situation arises in the future... You are to refrain from sexual relations of any sort with my fiancés. Not even a kiss. Yes, sir. Good. Well, at least this time you don't have to warn me not to do anything you wouldn't do, I told him. 
When I awoke, the medical team was standing by. They appeared visibly relieved. What's the matter? I asked. Were you worried I wouldn't wake up? There is some speculation on the matter, one doctor replied. I called up the metrics from my last span in SA and my intraocular display. The numbers shocked me. I stood up. My joints ached. I looked at my hands. There were age spots on the back, highlighting the wrinkles in my skin. 21 years? I asked. But the travel time was scheduled for only 62 years. You arrived on time, sir. I did some quick calculations through my proxy interface. Considering the relativistic effects, I might as well have been awake. We suspect the SA chamber has reached end of life for providing reliable suspended animation. The good news is that rejuvenation procedures can roll back 10 years now, and the new Gen 2 SA system is ready for your next voyage, I heard Simon say from behind me. I turned around, nearly falling over as I did. Simon raced to catch me. Are you alright, sir? I'm almost 63 now. I wasn't supposed to be this age for another couple of millennium. Rejuvenation will help, and the Gen 2 SA can lower metabolic advancement to near zero. That's good to hear. As I held on to Simon, I noticed that his skin lacked that artificial feeling it had in previous iterations. Something's different. Yes, sir. I now have a completely organic superstructure. Thanks to advancements in electro-organic interfaces, I can control a biological body with my Generation 12 quantum processor. Is it still housed in your chest? No, it has been moved to my head as I have a biological circulatory and respiratory system now to maintain my organics. Fascinating. Yes, sir. Shall we retire to dinner and meet your next wife? No, I told him. I want to begin rejuvenation procedures immediately. I don't want her to meet me looking like this. That will take several months. I understand, so let's get started. When I awoke, the medical team was standing by. I took a deep breath, feeling much better than my last revival. The Gen 2 SA worked as advertised. With another round of rejuvenation, I would be back on track, perhaps even younger than I was just a few trips ago. In fact, my intraocular display indicated I biologically aged zero days. Where's Simon? I asked. Sir? One of the medical staff inquired. Never mind, I'll find him. I assume everything is okay? There's no reason I need to stay here? The medical team just stared at me. I'll take that as a yes. I exited the revival room and headed for my office. The floor plan of each primary facility on all my worlds was identical, so, theoretically, I knew where to go. Only, I wasn't where I expected to be. I was on the wrong floor. I'd have to have a word with Simon about this. Eventually, I found my office and called up the latest status information, frustrated that Simon wasn't there to give me his usual report. I knew he was scheduled for a major upgrade ahead of my arrival. If there was a problem with the info beam that updated his memory and algorithm, he'd have to use the backup of his holographic memory that traveled with me on my ship. It would be several decades behind, but we'd make do. I checked the status reports to make sure that everything was on track for his upgrades and updates. He had received a Generation 13 quantum processor and augmented organics, which, according to the specs, were far superior to their natural analogs. I noted there was a change to his heuristic systems, the programming that allowed him to mimic me and run the business while I was asleep. 
The complexity neared that of the human brain, a goal we've been striving toward for centuries. Everything seemed to be in order, so where was he? Location of Simon, please, I asked the system. Simon is in the office of Gerald Musk. I looked around, expecting to find him standing quietly in a corner. But aside from myself, the room was empty. Ah, they told me you were awake, said a voice from my office door. There was an old man standing there. He was bent over with age. His thin gray hair was cut short. There was something familiar about him. I looked at his face. An identification system activated, analyzing the proportions of his features. A photo and vital statistics popped up on my intraocular display. It identified him as Gerald Musk, president and CEO of the Musk Constellation. Then I understood. The facial recognition systems were confusing me with Simon. I glanced at my proxy. Something must have gone wrong with his organics. Simon, are you all right? The old man smiled. Ah, uh, they told me to expect this. Expect what? What happened to you? Why haven't you been given a new body? Sit down, let me explain, he said, limping into the room and easing himself into a chair. I returned to my desk and sat down. You see, there was a slight problem on the last trip. What kind of problem? The Gen 2 SA worked perfectly for the first part of the journey, but then failed about five years in. The suspended animation continued, but the rate of metabolic slowing was only around 10%. My God, even with relativistic factors, that would be over 50 years. That's about right. I looked at my hands, felt the tight skin on my face. That must have been one hell of a rejuvenation they put me through. The aging was beyond the point where rejuvenation would be effective, Simon told me. But I don't feel 90, I told him. He nodded. But I do. A revelation hit me. The upgrades to Simon's heuristics and organics. I'm Simon. Yes, physically. But your mind is a functional equivalent of my own. Your memories are my memories. And what are we if not our memories? There must be something we can do for you. I'm afraid not. By the time we got a message to the nearest world and... They send the best and brightest we have. It will be too late. My body is rejecting the SA. If they put me under again, I won't come out. So, what are you going to do? I asked. What I plan to do. Live forever. In you. Me? Yes, if you think about it, it's the next logical step. But I'm not you. Yet you thought you were. You were convinced of it just a moment ago. Trust me, the future of the Musk constellation is in excellent hands. But what about the break in your protocol? You always take a new wife on each planet and have another child. The doctors have harvested, I really hate that word, sufficient quantities of my seed to continue my procreative activities for thousands of years. But how will we impregnate your future wives? If you studied the details of your latest upgrade, you'd know the answer to that. I glanced down at my lap, realizing the implications of what he was saying. You told me not to engage in any, remember, for all practical purposes, you are me. Are you sure about this? I asked. If we hadn't had this conversation, 
Would you have any doubt that you are Gerald Musk, and that you are 1,126 years old? My thoughts felt completely normal. What he was saying was exactly the choice I would make if I was in his position. An older model of Simon, of me, visually artificial, entered the office. Nice to see you, sir, he said, addressing me. Are you ready for dinner? Your fiancé is waiting to meet you. I looked at Gerald. He smiled. Go on, he said. I turned to my new proxy. Yes, Simon, let's go. As we left, I heard Gerald offer a few familiar words of advice. Don't do anything I wouldn't do. Thank you for listening to Immortal, written especially for the Bedtime Stories for Insomniacs fiction podcast by Rich Hosek. Please remember to subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Rate us on Apple, Spotify, and Audible. And share these stories, as well as the unabridged audiobook versions of my novels, with anyone you know who enjoys audio fiction. Be sure to visit bedtimestories.studio, where you can sign up for our Insomniac's Snoozeletter to be notified of new episodes and exclusive offers, and get a free bookmark. You can visit richhosick.com to learn more about the host of Bedtime Stories for Insomniacs. Thanks again, and all the very best.